Welcome to the African Campfire Stories podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the telling of African history stories and events. To bring African history to you, we have to read through a lot of details. Therefore, should you pick up anything we get wrong or if you just want to reach us, please use our social media pages. We are African Campfire Stories on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. Our website is www.africancampfirestories.com. Podcast episodes and other content can be found on the website. When creating our podcast episodes, we use works from historians and other writers as our sources. Note that we are currently running two series in parallel, the Cold War Porn series and the Xenophobia and Hatred series. We are rolling out the series on alternate weeks. One week we release an episode of Cold War Pawns and the next week we give you an episode of Xenophobia and Hatred. We have also written three articles available on our website that provide a historical perspective on xenophobia. Without much further ado, here is today's episode. This is the Xenophobia and Hatred series, episode 3, Roman Genocide Machine. Last time, on episode 2 of Xenophobia and Hatred, we discussed rumors and how they impact society in straightened times. Times like the recent September 2019 xenophobia attacks in South Africa. On this episode, we'll go back to ancient times in detail for the first time on this series. We are beginning the process of analyzing what the causes of xenophobia have been throughout time. In episode 1 of our Xenophobia and Hatred series, we open the episode with a quote from a famous politician of the Roman Republic, Cato the Elder. The quote translates into, Carthage must be destroyed. Carthage was a Phoenician colony. It was a superpower of a state that was located in northern Africa, approximately where Tunisia is today. And please people, I will not get into a debate about the issue of Phoenicians. Whether the Carthaginians were black or not, it's not the purpose of today's episode, nor is it the purpose of the xenophobia and hatred series. We could do that at another time. All we know is that evidence points to the fact that the Phoenicians were from the area of modern-day Lebanon. They colonized the area where Carthage would eventually be located around the 800s BC. By the time Carthage faced off with Romans, she was a superpower in the Mediterranean region. Rome was also a superpower in the same region by the time Cato was making this statement. Though it should be noted that Rome was a relatively newer superpower in comparison to Carthage, also Rome would inexorably enter her path towards everlasting glory and fame after she defeated Carthage. What we didn't say on episode 1 is how ridiculously often Cato repeated the statement, Carthage must be destroyed. He'd be making a speech about the problem of housing in Rome, for instance, and he would close the speech with, Carthage must be destroyed. I mean, he could be talking about the budget on the floor of the Roman Senate, and he would close with the words, Carthage must be destroyed. He would insert the statement, all the time, again and again, regardless of what the discussion at hand was about, regardless of context, regardless of situation. We don't know if this annoyed the Roman politicians, but we can safely state that many in Rome agreed with Cato's sentiments on Carthage. In one of the articles on xenophobia that are on our website, we stated that in 146 BC, the Romans finally destroyed Carthage. 
the destruction was total. Buildings were burnt to the ground, scores of people were killed, those that were left were all sold into slavery. We have said in episode 1 and 2 of the Xenophobia series that our biggest fear about xenophobia is that it leads to genocide. What was done to Carthage by Romans is genocide. It is said mostly by ancient writers that Romans were so bent on the destruction of Carthage that they even sowed salt into the soil in and around Carthage just to ensure that plants could never ever be grown again in Carthaginian farms and fields. Many modern historians dispute this story about the sowing of salt. Even if this story is not true per se, it does act as a metaphor for the kind of destruction Rome brought upon Carthage. Carthage was destroyed as the Third Punic War was coming to an end. This was only possible because of the outcome of the legendary Battle of Zama that took place in the late 202 BC. The Punic Wars is the name given to the three wars fought between Carthage and the Roman Republic from 264 BC to 146 BC. The Battle of Zama took place on African soil after Hannibal had fought the Romans in Italy for so many years. Zama is said to be located in the vicinity of Sakaiet city Yusuf in modern-day Tunisia. In that battle, the famous Roman general Scipio Africanus defeated the even more famous Carthaginian general Hannibal. After this, Carthage could not stop the Romans. The Battle of Zama was essentially the end of the Second Punic War. We won't go into detail about why the Punic Wars were fought except to say that the First Punic War began over a dispute concerning the island of Sicily. The Second Punic War came about because of a dispute between Rome and Carthage over a Roman allied city in Spain. Simply put, Hannibal attacked this city in Spain. The Third Punic War began mainly because of Roman fears. By the time the Third Punic War began, Carthage was a shell of its former self. She no longer posed as a threat to Rome. Many histories you read will say that the Third Punic War began because of the fact that Carthage attacked Numidia in 151 BC. Numidia was a Berber kingdom that was located in modern-day Algeria and also in parts of modern Tunisia and Libya. The attack of Numidia as a cause of the Third War might be partly true. Numidia was a Roman ally, but Numidia had attacked Carthage first. Carthage was only trying to defend herself against Numidia. The reason that Numidia kept attacking Carthage was because every time Carthage complained to Rome about Numidian insolence, Rome would take the side of Numidia. This is how much Carthage had fallen by this time. She even had to report to Rome if she was attacked, to report and ask for permission to defend herself, even if those attacks were coming from a minor state like Numidia. The fact is that Rome was fearful. The idea of a resurgent Carthage was too much to bear. This fear was also accompanied by hatred and jealousy over the Carthaginians on the part of the Romans. The fact that Carthage could mount such a war with Numidia showed to the Romans that in a few decades Carthage might be able to attack the Roman Republic again. There was also the fact that Rome was growing Many historians say that Rome wanted Carthaginian agricultural land in order to further guarantee herself a source of reliable food supplies. 
As you will see in later episodes of this series, economic issues are widely present in many historical instances of xenophobia and genocide. But anyone who has ever done even a perfunctory study on the causes of wars between superpowers will know that the reasons for which superpowers go to war are never simple. By the time the Third Punic War began in 149 BC, the hatred between Carthage and Rome was humongous. Too much bad history had happened between them by then. For Rome, it was especially so during the Second Punic War, a long war starting from 218 BC and ending in 201 BC. In 218 BC, at the start of the Second Punic War, Hannibal, the Carthaginian general, unexpectedly crossed the Alps and entered the Italian peninsula. The Alps are a large mountain range in northern Italy. He crossed into Italy from modern-day France. He had marched with his armies all the way from Spain. This scared the hell out of the Romans, who did not expect such a sudden move. The crossing of the Alps by Hannibal is the one thing he is famous for, which I believe is unfair for a man who is considered a genius by almost all military historians and military men of all eras from that time to now. Though the Romans were fine with fighting anywhere they liked, they took particular care to ensure that they did not have to fight an enemy in Italy. The other big sin that Hannibal committed was that on his way from Spain to Italy, he picked up a sizable number of soldiers from Gaelic tribes in the area of modern-day France and northern Italy. These Gauls that Hannibal recruited into his army were the terror of Rome. They hated and feared Rome and Rome hated and feared them right back. Just over a century before this time, in 390 BC, the Gauls had defeated the Romans in the Battle of Alia and had proceeded to destroy the city of Rome. The Romans famously had long memories. They never forgot. We will get back to Rome versus the Gauls on part two of this episode because that is another story of hatred that ended up in genocide. As if picking up the Gauls was not enough, in 214 BC, while the Second Punic War was happening, a war broke out between Rome and the state of Macedonia, located north of Greece. Hannibal would make an alliance with Macedonia, probably for opportunistic reasons and driven by the dictum that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, this is the Macedonia of Alexander the Great. Though the Macedonia of the era we are talking about right now was not exactly the unstoppable military machine of Alexandra's time. In fact, after dealing with Carthage, the Romans would cross the Adriatic Sea and go deal with Macedonia and their Greek allies, committing genocides over there as well. Remember I told you that Rome never forgot? As if the alliance with Macedonia was not enough, while Hannibal was running around in Italy after crossing the Alps, he recruited tribes on the Italian peninsula that were allies of Rome. These were tribes that Rome had defeated centuries earlier, when Rome was still a small city-state. For Rome to control most of Italy, she had to defeat these Italic tribes and incorporate them into the Roman Republic. Now Hannibal was essentially freeing these tribes. Some of these tribes were Greek tribes located on the southern tip of Italy. Back in 280 BC, way before the wars with Carthage began, some of them had invited Pyrrhus the king of Epirus to come and defend them against Rome. Epirus was located just north of Greece. 
Virus came to Italy and fought Rome in various wars, wars which were very costly to Rome. So these Greek tribes in the south of Italy were already not very loved in Rome, even though Hannibal came and recruited them into his army. Remember I told you that Rome never forgot? Add up all these actions by Hannibal and you have a super incensed Rome. You also have a very fearful and hateful Rome. This preceding explanation of Hannibal's actions is not intended as an excuse of why Rome destroyed Carthage. We do not aim to excuse any bad actions by anyone. But to relay history stories to you, we would be remiss if we do not provide this kind of background. Plus, one of the main aims of our xenophobia series is to try and find out as much as possible what the causes of xenophobia have been throughout the ages. Besides, the hate between Rome and Carthage was not one way. Carthage could hate too. After the end of the First Punic War, which ran from 246 BC to 241 BC, the Carthaginians were treated harshly by Rome. They had to agree to pay a huge financial war indemnity to Rome. They had to agree to give their territory in Sicily to Rome. As soon as they started paying the war indemnity though, the Romans suddenly realized that they had been lenient and they asked for steeper terms. After the war, Carthage was weak. Because of this, there was a revolt in Carthage, led by Carthage's main mercenary soldiers. Apparently, Carthage was trying to stiff the mercenaries and not pay them. Rome saw an opportunity. While Carthage was down, Rome took the western Mediterranean islands of Sardinia and Corsica. Just for the reasons of trivia, history buffs out there will know that Napoleon Bonaparte was born on the island of Corsica many centuries later after this period. Taking these islands went against the agreements that Rome had signed with Carthage when the First Punic War ended. All of this adds up to a super incensed Carthage. It is said that sometime after this, Hamilcar Barca, the father of Hannibal, made his young son promise that he would avenge Carthage on Rome. To show how serious Hamilcar took this promise, he made young Hannibal dip a hand in blood. Apparently, this ritual made the promise even more significant than just an ordinary run-of-the-mill promise verbally. Hamilcar, who had been a Carthaginian general during the First Punic War, raised all his sons to hate Rome. What most histories often leave out is the fact that when Hannibal was fighting Rome in the Second Punic War, two of his brothers, named Magu and Hasdrubal, were also commanding soldiers in that war. Not only that, there was an uncle and other relatives of Hannibal also involved in the war. This indicates that, admittedly, on the small scale of the Barca family, the hatred the Carthaginians had for Rome by the start of the Second Punic War was immense. On a larger scale, just before the breakout of the Third Punic War, Roman representatives came to Carthage to arrogantly present a war or no war proposal. In response to this, hundreds of members of the Carthaginian Assembly or Parliament erupted into scenes of jubilation. Yes, we want war, they screamed at the Roman representatives. The Romans too were happy about the Third Punic War. They would finally do what Cato had been urging for decades. Carthage would be destroyed. We have to stop here for today. Next time on part two of Rome and its genocides, 
Julius Caesar goes to destroy the Gauls. Caesar kills lots of people in Alexandria, Egypt. With Queen Cleopatra's help, Caracalla returns with another murder spree in Alexandria. Aurelian returns for yet another murderous sequel on Alexandria.